Looking to create wealth and income through high cash flowing real estate? Self storage is the fastest growing and the newest real estate asset that has outperformed all others. What's its secret? I'm AJ Osborne, and with over a million square feet that we have built, acquired, expanded, and even converted big box stores from small third tier markets to large hundred plus thousand square foot facilities, we have seen it all. This is the podcast that we're going to discuss and bring on the best investors and operators in the nation to show you how to create wealth and income with self-storage. Welcome to Self-Storage Income. Welcome, everybody, to Self-Storage Income, the wonderful podcast of Self storage, all things self storage, <laughs> man. Self storage. Yeah. Oh no, we. You know, it's funny because we were just talking about how uh, nerdy this industry is and how much we love it. Um, and uh, we have a really awesome podcast today um, because our podcast guest is far from nerdy, um, uh, and he's uh, get, getting into the self storage game and. I'm super excited about it because this gives you like an introduction to see somebody that's just starting and just started and how they're getting into it and how they're doing it. Because by far, that is our most asked question. It's, um, you know, something, for, how do we find deals? How do I value deals? How do I get started? Or how do I expand? How do I keep going? Oh, I got this one deal because a broker brought it to me and I want to continue this. I want to grow and I want to expand. So what are the things I need to be putting into place? Um, and it's just, there's so much value and understanding. And if, if you can understand that, you can expand as far as you want. And two, you can figure out everything else. So I think so it's true. super important. Um, and you know what? We're not going to waste any time at all. So um, uh, let's go ahead. Wait, hold on just a sec. Do we have any housekeeping items that we need to? We always have to do this for our listeners, housekeeping items. Dude, I don't think so. I don't think so I think I think we're good. I think we're good. And I think you guys are sick of hearing uh, of all our housekeeping items. Anyways, all right. So <laughs> with that, we are going to get started right away. And we have Rafa with us. And okay. This is a kind of a crazy story, and so I'm not even going to go in. I'm not even going to butcher it. First of all, welcome, dude. I'm so excited to have, have you on. You reached out to me a while ago, and I've just been blown a bit away by what you're doing, and I think it's just awesome that you're getting into self-storage. So if, if you guys don't know him, if you're in the kayaking world, you do. But if you don't, why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners, first of all, about your life and what it is that you do, and then we can talk about self-storage. <laughs> Thanks, AJ. Yeah, and thank you guys for having me. It's I'm pretty blown away to be sitting right here right now. I'm full on beginner on self storage, but I'll talk more about that. Um, I'll just kind of try to crunch it as much as I can. I'm I'm from Mexico City. Um, I'm this kid that got really fired up on kayaking that eventually managed to create a career out of his passion. Uh, I've been a professional kayaker, professional whitewater kayaker for about 20 years um and yeah i'm sponsored by red bull i'm sponsored by gopro um i've specialized on running massive waterfalls um i think the probably my biggest my couple biggest accomplishments within kayaking i've been able to run the highest ever run waterfall in a kayak 189 feet i'm also part of the crew with the steepest kayakable section descent uh, in history in the river Santo Domingo in Chiapas. Um, 
And anyway, so this eventually, this crazy journey brought me to the U.S. about five years ago. Um, you know, as I got a little bit older with kayaking and these crazy, you know, waterfalls and expeditions, um, I figured that I had to move to a country where I was able to, you know, be more involved in the industry and also be able to paddle a lot more living in Mexico city. I had to travel like four hours to be in my kayak. Um, so yeah, anyway, I, I moved to this tiny little town in the state of Washington. Uh, it's called white salmon. Um, it's about an hour east of Portland and yeah, you know, I live here. I live five minutes from the river. Um, and I, yeah, I love being here, but anyway, that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of who I am and where yeah. I'm at. That, yeah. That was a really some diversion. Cause I, if you guys have not seen the stuff that he's doing, I mean, it's amazing uh, when you talk about these waterfalls and, and these descents that you're dropping on kayaks. I mean, these are people, th these are things that people would look at and say, first of all, that's, you could never drop that. You would die. Um, and that's not even descendable. It's it, some of them are like more rocks than they are water and you're just flying through them. It's just absolutely incredible. How did you get into that sport and what drew you to, you know, kayaking to begin with um so when i was a kid i was a skateboarder so i guess i've always been kind of you know pursuing action sports um and then my family actually just by chance happened to own a ranch on the east coast of mexico really close to some of the good you know rafting rivers so started rafting when i was a kid when i turned 14 i actually got a kayak for a birthday present for my family um so yeah i kind of just started by myself. It was interesting because there's, you know, kayaking is a very small sport. Um, in Mexico, there's no kayakers. So I actually just kind of taught myself 20 years ago. I was like, you know, holding on to rocks, figuring out how to flip back up and, you know, full on like skateboarding helmet, pool toy paddle. Um, you know, and I don't know, it's, it's, it's a very long story, but, uh, <laughs> well, it, you know, it's I interesting managed... to me because, you know, you talk about this, but you know, I, so everybody that listens, I grew up in Idaho and, you know, whitewater rafting out here is a big deal. Like we do it all the time. It's just, I grew up and it was like, oh yeah, we're going to go out with friends and we're going to go down the river. We'd go get, and we'd think it was fun. And we'd go get in these like rubber ducky floaty things when we were, you know, 15 and we'd go down class four rapids while other people were kayaking. stuff. So it was just part of a culture. And I realized that a lot of the world, that's not true at all. Even in the United States, right? You get out of the Rockies and it's, that's not a thing. Um, but for us, we live, you know, once again, we get in our, our, our truck and I'm, putting in at the, the payette in 30 minutes, we have the North Fork challenge. And I think a lot of people, um, when you look at kayaking and you, when you look at it out here, um, it's a big deal out here. So where we li live, it's like, you know, uh, we're obviously have a lot of extreme sports and you're at the top echelon of this. I mean, the it, very top. Um, and it's just, that's amazing. So you guys got to go see him and look at this stuff, but for someone that's at the top echelon and in something that's, you know, it's at least a big deal out where we all live. Um, what brought, why in the world, what brought you into self storage? Because you're this extreme, this awesome dude, you're out killing it, dropping hundred plus foot waterfalls. And then there's empty cement boxes and you decided to get that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay, I'll, I'll, okay. So anyway, so I moved to Washington five years ago. Yeah. Um, I'm 33 today. Um, I have a year and a half daughter, expecting another 
child for January. So, you know, I'm clearly in the moment in my life where, you know, things are kind of changing little by little. The way that I look at, you know, my decisions is completely different than it was even a year and a half ago without having a daughter. Um, you know, anyone out there that's a father will probably understand what I'm talking about. Something changes in here. For me, at least, you know, I'm looking at a big waterfall and, you know, Rafa two years ago would be, in the end, it comes down to risk and reward, right? So I'd be looking at a hundred foot waterfall and I'd be like, all right, what am I risking here? Am I going to, you know, break my back? Am I going to dislocate my shoulder? What's the reward? You know, I'm making a living out of this. I also love doing it, but in the end, you know, how, you know, what kind of picture I'm going to create from that, what kind of video, you know, and in the end, you know, to make a living as a professional kayaker, it comes down to that. So a year and a half ago, something starts changing in my head because, you know, it's like, well, you know, I'm not just looking anymore at this big waterfall and being like, well, worst, worst case scenario, if I do happen to end up in that cave underwater and do happen to pass away, all of a sudden, it's not just my life in the line anymore. You know, in the end, yeah. Rafa two years ago was talking about risk, you know, being, you know, my own life, my responsibility. But all of a sudden, a year and a half ago, I have a daughter and I'm like, you know, I, I'm I'm not going to be that guy that leave, leaves his, you know, child without a father, you know, so yeah. I don't know. Something starts changing there. And I mean, even within a little bit earlier than that, I'm, I feel like I've always been pretty like money, money conscious, you know, I've always yeah. been a big saver. Um, you know, I don't make millions of dollars. Kayaking is a tiny sport, you know, even being, you know, a professional kayaker in the top 1%, you know, I'm, you know, I don't make a ton of money, but I've always been really good at, you know, living, you know, within, under my means, saving a lot. And I feel like I spent all my twenties being able to save a little bit of money. Um, and then kind of right as, around when I turned 30, I started realizing that saving is not enough saving. You're actually, you know, it's, it's one part of one part of the equation is serving, saving. Um, the bigger part of the equation actually is investing. So about four years ago, something started, you know, changing in my head, you know, when I was younger, I, you know, I've always been kind of entrepreneurial. I even, you know, I even end up, ended up having a, a little Uber fleet in Mexico city, like five, six years ago, you know, so I, I kind of started seeing that earlier. I was never successful. I ended up having to sell the cars, kind of long story, but that, that, that endeavor never, never really worked out. But yeah, within four years ago, I kind of started getting more into it. And I was started going through stocks, um, you know, learning about value investing, kind of the Warren Buffett approach, yes. um, you know, kind of a long-term thing, not just, you know, like any kid my age, like quit returns trading, you know, my dad's always kind of, you know, he's always been in the investing world. So I kind of have that from him. Um, so I started doing that. Um, and basically, you know, I always knew that real estate was something that I wanted to pursue as well. I bought a house in White Salmon, this little town. Um, I don't know, probably no one knows about it because it's tiny. But uh, <laughs> we're right across the river from uh, Hood River. Hood River is yes. known for being this big like windsurfing, kitesurfing town. I was, I was just about to <laughs> say, my buddies just got back from Hood River. Hood River is fantastic for kiting. So It's a beautiful place, honestly. And and I mean, it's, it's an interesting phenomenon that we're seeing out here because it's this place that's, you know, it's mountainous. It's, it's, you know, surrounded by rivers. So it's very limited, you know. So I see some things that for real estate, you know, make it, you know, really interesting. But the thing is that prices have been skyrocketing here, you know, little by little, you know, it's kind of 
gathering more popularity. It's, you know, valleys are coming up. So anyway, two years ago, I was lucky enough to get my hands on the crappiest property I could in this nice neighborhood, uh, fixer upper. So basically two years ago, I kind of got my first taste of real estate. Um, we spent like four months. Uh, I talked my wife into just buying this I don't know if I can swear on this podcast if you guys mind, but <laughs> I, I bought this crappy asshole spot and basically spent four months. I knew nothing. And I just spent four months YouTubing. You know, I hired some people. It's really hard to get labor around here. It's limited, you know? So anyway, I started just doing things myself, you know, and with kayaking, I have a lot of free time. It's one of the nice things about, you know, owning, you know, my own business like that. Um, so anyway, I spent basically four months just remodeling this place. And I was like, this is cool. You know, like, I mean, it's kind of cool because it's hands-on. My wife is also an interior designer. So all of a sudden, you know, real estate kind of started, you know, taking more shape. And anyway, I don't want to make this like a huge, huge story, but that's kind of how we got into real estate. You know, we got this house, we eventually built an apartment. Um, that's kind of where I'm standing right now. We built an apartment in the backside of our garage. Um, so, you know, but, but the interesting thing that I have right there is that I saw my first glimpse into the power of real estate, you know, being able to have an investing vehicle where I could also be hands-on, you know, maybe too hands-on, you know, because it was taking a lot of my time, <laughs> but all of a sudden I was able to put up like, I mean, rough numbers, you know, we bought this for 200, all of a sudden it reappraised for 400, you know, and I was like, holy crap, you know, all of a sudden there's like 200,000 in equity right there, you know, minus how much I spent on doing it, you know, and I was like, well, this is powerful, but I also like the fact that it was all in, like within, within my stock game, I was thinking, you know, cause I was always like, I could see the big players like, you know, Buffett, like yeah. he doesn't, he doesn't buy a thousand different companies. No. He's all about, and I think that's actually Manish Pabrai, um, this huge investor that says small bets and frequent bets, big bets. And I was like, I think real estate is a lot about that. You know, it's not about buying a ton of tiny little houses. It's about putting a lot of time into your due diligence, finding the right move, and then just going all in, you know, at least that's yeah. the way I came into this. And I was like, whoa, this is powerful. Um, yeah. So anyway, that was that with the house. And then kind of a little bit fast forward to 2020, right as, right as the world started turning upside down, um, so, okay, I'm going to open a little parenthesis here. Another professional kayaker, this town where I live is probably the best place for being a professional kayaker. We have rivers five minutes away. So about 15 years ago, another guy moved here. This guy is called Teo Berman. And, you know, he's also a guy that started doing real estate. He's basically 10, 15 years ahead of me. He retired from kayaking, you know, a long time ago, and he started buying real estate. So, Long story short, I had this guy that's like, you know, kind of like, you know, a little mogul in this environment um, that I'm seeing that's kind of interesting for me. Um, and anyway, he's so he started actually trying to he was doing all the management himself for 12 years. Um, he has a medium sized portfolio nowadays. So he's been doing all the management. So basically he got to a point 15 years later, he's created enough, enough cash flow. He's wealthy. He's good. But now, you know, he was, he started offloading his properties because he's like, you know, I don't want to be taking all these phone calls anymore. I don't need to, you know, I'm, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm good enough on the money front. So he starts offloading some of these properties. So, you know, about a year ago, he sends me this idea. Hey, do you want to purchase one of my 
properties. It's this storage facility in a town half hour away. It has a house. You know, this is the income statement. And I started looking at it and I was like, I see the potential, but I don't think I have enough money to be there yet. Um, you know, and I kind of talked to my dad, see if my dad could, you know, potentially help me out. I talked to another kayaker friend that's also, you know, similar mindset. We talked about it and, you know, basically, you know, we started kind of seeing, because I saw the potential. I was like, I, I think that's cool. That's the first time I ever heard about self-storage. Um, and again, all of a sudden, I, when I saw it, I was like, this is interesting. I see something here that's, because I just saw, pro, I saw um, an income statement. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, like I see what these stupid little boxes can, yeah. can actually be cash flowing versus, you know, residents in a very expensive area that we're, where we're at. And, you know, that was the first glimpse. And then, you know, sometime at the start of the year, I was, I just kind of kept poking a little bit, you know, because I'm, I'm about, you know, I, I've learned with kayaking, always say yes to things. Never mm-hmm. let your fear hold you back from opportunities in life. Um, you know, I'm always, I'm, I'm scared of waterfalls all the time. You know, I look at these hundred foot waterfalls and first instinct is like, don't do it. But I've learned that, you know, I can, with that preparation, with that knowledge, being able to trust my own judgment, my own skills, I'm able to do these, you know, crazy things that any, no other human being could be doing. So, you know, so now I'm like, okay, like I'm, st- I'm terrified, you know, this thing is, you know, it's not big. It's, it's, it's a pretty small facility. It's 34 units uh, with a house, but again, I'm, I'm a full beginner, you know, it's yeah. like, how do I even deal with 34 tenants? I have no clue how to do this. And the cool thing is that this guy, Teo, actually, he saw me and where I was in March when we started talking about this. And, and, he, and, and I kind of trusted him, you know, where he was like, I, and I just put my cards on the table. I was like, Teo, this is how much cash I have right now. This is how much I make. This is how much I need, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, all right, I think this can work for you. And I'm actually willing to carry a contract. And I've never heard in my life about owner financing. And, you know, being a professional kayaker, my biggest limiting factor right now is credit worthiness. Because, you know, I'm a self-employed individual, which, you know, I try to deduct as much as possible, you know. So, you know, when I'm looking at financing right now, it's, you know, I've overcome the fact that I'm from Mexico. I only got my permanent residence about four years ago. I've, you know, now I have a credit score. I'm kind of on that path, but now, you know, it's, it's tricky because on paper, you know, I don't make too much money, you know, so it's hard. I can't approach a bank and be like, Hey, can I have half a million dollars? Um, you know, but all of a sudden, you know, this kind of opened my eyes and I was like, there's this thing called owner carry, you know, where, so for tail, you know, he's, he's wealthy, you know, but all of a sudden he can, he can trade, you know, making a hundred percent of the profit for being willing to make maybe only half of it for what, for my deck expense, whatever I'm paying him in his head, this has to work out, right? Because if Rafa, if this goes upside down on Rafa, I don't want to have to go through the uncomfort of having to foreclose on my friend. Um, But for Tay, all of a sudden, you know, instead of having to deal with 35 tenants, he only has to deal with this one person, you know, that I have to pay him monthly, you know, certain amount of money, um, so you, you and, and, and I was like, this is cool, you know, because, you know, for someone like him, it, it makes sense, but it also all of a sudden opens the door for me, you know, cause I'm like, 
I don't have to prove anything to a bank. And this makes, you know, makes me able to get my foot on the door. Um, So anyway that's dude and that's so cool so cool like because financing is one of those big things that holds so many people up whether it's residential commercial any of that stuff real estate investing in general the financing is like the biggest thing that holds people back and we've done episodes on this before about how financing is really that last piece of the puzzle where you can do these um these creative financing options like you know, owner carrying and, and all these things. And you can actually make things happen without needing a bank, without needing these other conventional resources that, that a lot of people lean so on. So I'm going to fast forward just like, you know, six months now, like this was six months ago. And maybe I'll get back in the details on how it actually kind of panned out. Cause it's funny because it, it actually happened like right as the world turned upside down. Like I was, I was selling all my stock positions to put all of this into this, you know, store, you yeah. know, you know, this, boxes basically but um so six months later now fast forward i'm and again i'm 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 no guru on this but all of a sudden now i can see how you know even within a year or two now i can approach a bank and be like you know i've been running this facility here's the numbers here's the proof i can perform want to give me a million dollars you know like like i see the path you know Whereas six months ago, I, it was terrifying, you know, you know, making the analogy with whitewater kayaking, it was a hundred foot waterfall that I had no skills, no way to even, you know, see how I could overcome. Um, that, so, I don't know. That, no, that, that yeah, I love that because first of all, it's one of the things that I, you know, we constantly talk about I mean, people are, I want to get into it. I don't have money. I don't know how to find deals. And it's like, well, welcome to the game. First of all, that's, And you got to understand it, even though what you're doing is the process that you always do, you always go along, right? What's the difference between going from two facilities to 15 facilities? The bank's just not going to give you, you know, enough money to buy 12 more facilities. That's not going to happen. They're not just, you know, it's there's 12, those other facilities are not just going to come and be handed to you. Um, Even with us in our organization, the amount that I've had to change in the last two years to set up the amount of hiring I've had to do. We've had to start a whole nother company to try to get to a place to get to the next level. And all it is, is saying these, this is what I got currently. This is what I got. I got to figure it out and I got to do it with what I got. And when I got started, we used owner financing. Um, we had, had facilities. We want a bank. Banks won't loan. They're like, I'm not going to loan to you in that area. And two, the one that we uh, had bought, it was a lease option. They're like, you don't even own the ground. We're not going to give you money. And we're like, well, okay, what do we do? So we go back to her and we're like, listen, we're not getting, the bank's not going to lend us money, but what I'll make you deal. You don't want to deal with this anymore, right? Same thing. You're going to keep getting your payments. The assets backed, right? You're going to keep getting your payments, but no more headache. You don't got to do anything, right? And then when we can refinance it or when we're set in a good position, then you'll get all your money. Um, And that's what we had to do to get the property. And it also too, it changed how much we could put down. It was, well, here's what I have, right? Let's, let's work on this. Let's figure it out. And that process that you just went through is the same. It just, it never changes. And we talk about this. We even talked about this on cashflow freedom. It is like this creative process that entrepreneurs and investors you have to have. And there's this misnomer. I think that it's just like given to you. It's like, oh, well, yeah, but you because you have this, you know, you just get these properties and you just get the money or it just works. And it's like, that's not how it works. 
And it seems daunting, right, at first. But like you said, once you start getting it and once you start figuring it out, you're, the whole horizon just opens up. And then you gain traction because you're like, oh, I can figure this out. Why don't I call him? And it's like you figure out how to solve problems quicker. And then the bigger the problems are or the bigger the goals are, the bigger things, you're going down that road. If you figure out how to solve the problems and if you figure out how to obtain those goals with the resources you have, that's a skill that carries you all the way to the top. That's super interesting. Yeah, because I think the hardest thing, you know, kind of kind of that train analogy, right? The hardest thing is getting the train moving. moving. But, you know, but there but there is a way, right? Like, yes. I mean, because everybody has to go through it, right? Like every, any self-storage owner at some point, right? Yeah. Has to like scratch their head and be like, crap, how do I, right? Like, how do I own my first couple doors? Exactly. Um, and, you know, and start in different ways, but. Yeah, it's kind of cool, right? Like feeling how it's like it's it's a general formula, right? Like it's interesting for me hearing that you at your dimension, you know, it's it's a you know, you're you're still facing like similar challenges, right? That yeah, you know, you're always gonna be challenged to be able to like to be able to take it to the next step, right? Because we're always gonna wanna challenge ourselves and we're always gonna wanna, you know, get better and grow and evolve. Um, yeah, you know, it doesn't but, end. But, but, it's not like it's like, oh, I don't care about things anymore. I'm just going to stop or anything else. And and two, when you look at the, you know the, this analogy, of the train, which you know, once again, I love. It's like this this idea of momentum, and uh, you know, you being in you know extreme sports and things. There's certain areas where you feel that momentum, and once once you get that momentum, I can feel when that momentum's coming off, and I can feel like, oh shoot, we're not moving here. Something's happening. We're losing momentum. And all businesses, they face this and it's, it's just known. Like, you know, I always had the saying, I'm like, you're either growing or you're dying because all economic forces, right? Inflation, everything else like that, um, they're pitted for growth. And if you don't, you are literally shrinking in comparison and you're outflated. And so in order to get that momentum started, you also got to keep it going right? You got to keep it moving. And when you're looking at getting started, like you did, and you say, okay, this is a small facility. The biggest problem that I think people have is they go, this doesn't fit what I want, right? They're like, no, I want this type of investment. I want it to be in this location. And I want to get my money in this way. And I'm always like, the world doesn't care what you want, right? You got to adapt yourself and you got to adapt your situation to create opportunities. I did not want to have little small facilities out in nowhere lands next to Canada, right? That's not what I wanted to do, but that's not how it worked. And so we did what we had to do. And we went to places that nobody else would go and we figured out ways to do it. And it's, you got to create it. And you were willing to put yourself in an uncomfortable position, which I think is something that as human beings, we're naturally terrified about doing and we're yes. always held back from it, right? Like we always go through that every time as a human being, you're faced against what seems to be an unsurmountable challenge. Our brain, I think, naturally tends to take the easy route. That's our default. Yes. Easy route. No, it's too hard. It's too far. I can't afford it. I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. And then, you know, and then we, we give up so much growth by always taking that default, easy route. But I, but I truly believe in, in that, you know, if you can get comfortable with the uncomfort, you know, you, yes. you'll never be uncomfortable without uncomfort, you know, but, but, but you can, by trusting 
by being able to trust your skills, what you've learned, all the knowledge, any 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 of the the work before, also trust your due diligence and making sure that it's a smart move as far as you can know with the knowledge that you have. But then grabbing that and then just you know consciously putting yourself in that uncomfortable position, you know, and make and being able to go through that uncomfort you will find a reward because you're basically, you are doing what so many other human beings are not willing to do. Exactly. And we live in an overpopulated world. And I truly believe that, you know, in the end, everything we do is competition in the end, right? You, yeah. you were competing against each other, right? Yeah. So, so by doing these things and being able, being willing to kind of break with our own, you know, human being natural instincts, you're all of a sudden you can be ahead of the others. No, it's, and it's so interesting too, what is uncomfortable to a lot of people. Like for me, public speaking, that's like nothing. I was terrible at it when I started. It was really embarrassing. You didn't <laughs> want to hear it. Um, but um, like, I'm totally comfortable with getting up in front of thousands of people, but I'm not comfortable with social media. And like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to. And I'm like, I know I have, we have talks all the time. I'm like, I don't know what I should be saying or what I should be doing. And why would anybody care what I'm doing? It's this weird thing that I just like, I've never really got behind. But over the last two years, I'm like, okay, no, we got to do this. I got to actually figure out how to communicate because it's, it's, I know the value because I can communicate with mass people at basically once I can share value, right? I can get my message out when I'm doing out, which is extremely important to me. And I'm like, you know what? The world doesn't really care if I don't like it. If I want to communicate with them, I got to got to do it. So it's, I've been going through and I'm like, got to figure with, this out. It's happening with or without you, AJ. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's happening. So, <laughs> that's a great way to think about it. The world's moving and it's happening with or without you. And nobody cares if you're uncomfortable with the way the world's changing. Um, I just love that sentiment. And so tell me about this first deal when you were looking at it. And you, when you were trying to figure it out, what did you see? I mean, you, you can talk about also going out on a limb here, though. You didn't even really know anything about storage, but you saw the value. What did you see in it that you thought, this will work? And what did you see in it that you said, hey, I like this, or this is a good idea? So the, the, the funny thing with this deal is that, you know, the guy that I bought it from is is my friend, you know, and it's mm -hmm. someone within my community, you know. So, I mean, and, and I don't know if I... I, I trusted the fact that I knew that he wasn't out to screw me over. Yes. You know, I was like, I know he's a shark because he, he owns a bunch of real estate. Like I'm, I'm definitely going, I'm a tiny little fish going into a fight with a big shark. And I know that, but I'm trusting that he's not just going to eat me and, you know, destroy me because, you know, they're, they're, I mean, I don't know. And I, I think there's a certain trust that I took there. Um, but, you know, but again, just, you know, I started, I remember I started just looking at the numbers and it was really hard for me to know, you know, because at first he was saying like 5% annually for, um, for expenses, you know, and, and he's like, dude, storage, there's no water, there's, you know, there's no plumbing, there's no electricity, you know, it's, it's a super simple facility. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have an automatic gate, but you know, it's mm -hmm. not, nothing's going to break. So your CapEx is pretty low. Um and then, and then he's like, and we'd probably put a 5% vacancy. And I was like, just scratch my head. I was like, mm, I don't know if that feels right to me. You know, again, I, nothing. Yeah. Um, and then it also came with a house. What I knew then is that we could remodel. And the funny thing about all this is that the biggest, like one of the biggest like baits for me to like go for it is that I wanted another 
remodel because I've seen the power of remodeling. So I was yeah. like, I want to get my hands on another thing that we can remodel. But the reality is that remodeling that house was probably, you know, I mean, you know, we remodeled it and it was super fun with my wife. We created this beautiful house that now we rent for more than he was renting. But mm-hmm. the cool thing is that, you know, this was kind of like the, the side thing from all that, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I just remember I drove to the facility and, and I'm all about like, I, I, I'm obsessive, you know, I obsess with things. And I think that's what has brought me success in my professional kayaking career. I'm, I'm, I'm an obsessive personality. So I just started looking at these deal and I just obsessed over it. I started driving there a bunch of times and I just started like, I just like, you know, counted how many locks were in the door. So I was like, I was like, hmm, you know, he's saying 5%, but I can actually count 20% right now. Um, you know, stuff yeah. like that, you know, and yeah. just, I was like, well, I see the thought that it doesn't really require much expenses. I know that I'm going to have to be cutting this grass. I know that, you know, whatever, someday this rain gutter is going to break. I'm going to have to paint it, whatever, you know, but I, I could see how that 5% was probably good. It would probably kind of offset itself with a house. Um, and, and yeah, and that's kind of like how I looked at the financials and, and in the end, I just kind of had to trust him too. Cause I was like, shit, like what happens if I buy this thing? And all of a sudden everybody moves out, you know, yeah. um, I just, I know nothing about storage. Like, is yeah. there any time in, in life when people just move out of their facilities? And, and I, so I just kind of started like before buying it, I, I was just like, okay, due diligence. I, I think that's when I came across your guys' podcast. Cause I was like, I probably have a month or whatever, how much I can push him because he's pushing me to like make a decision you know he's a shark yeah. you know so i'm like try to push him as much as i can to be able to crunch as much due diligence and i was like i need to get obsessed with self-storage and i just started you know ingesting as much knowledge as i could to understand this new vehicle um and and i was like all right i i think i think there's something to be said here you know because i mean teo said you know he was like i've heard I've, i haven't he's never he bought his facilities right after the last crash and he was like i've never been through a down market but i have heard that they actually can perform well in a big down market uh, because people need to move people get divorced and 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 i was like okay the logic makes sense in my head you know yes. i i don't know i'm not looking at the numbers but the logic makes sense in my head um i mean and i knew nothing about cap rates i knew nothing you know i knew i yeah. knew that i didn't know actually that you know a storage facility was valued by a cap rate all i knew is that if i painted it changed the floors it would probably be worth more yeah. so i just kind of trusted him on that and we actually just negotiated it based on a cap rate um and you know and i just kind of put myself in his hands and and i and in the end it came down to being like tail i don't have the down payment that you need i have this much will you take it or not and i'm willing to buy at with, I don't think we're, I don't think I'm willing to accept a 5% vacancy because I can count 20% actual vacancy and I'm not willing to pay for, you know, the empty storage doors. Um, and that's what I know. And I sat down with a shark one day in a coffee shop and I was terrified and, and he pushed me, we pushed back and forth and he was like, and I was terrified. I remember just being like scared in that coffee shop, you know, and yeah. then in the end, just being like, same feeling, like I'm, looking at a huge waterfall and I'm like, all right, let's, let's freaking do it. And I just shook his hand right then and there. This is March, March 22, 2020, like right as, you know, the world was starting to just turn upside yes. down. I don't even remember if I actually 
in hand. Uh, but we walked across the street to a maritime, and I mean, they were like, you know, full on, like nobody knew what was going on. Maritime was just opening for specific signings like this, and and I bought my first storage facility like that. So, okay, there's a That's few awesome. things I want to hit on here. Um, the first one is a line you said, which I probably heard more in-cell storage than any other else. This was a side thing because that's how I got started too. I was like, this is a side thing. I'm like, they're like, oh, so you own storage facilities? Yeah, but but I don't do storage. Yeah, yeah. I don't do I'm an insurance guy, right? I don't, I don't do storage. And then all of a sudden now when people ask, they're like, what do you do? I'm like, I do storage. Oh, yeah, I have insurance. That's a side thing now. Um, but it's, you know, it's funny because that's how I hear it. How did you get in storage? Well, I was doing multifamily or I had this job. I was an attorney. I was something else. And then they got into storage. Then all of a sudden, that's all they do now. Um, so it's that is such a common thing that I hear. And then the second thing I wanted to mention there, or well, there are two more things. First of all, the simplicity. Okay. So the simplicity of how you approached it is very important. People get analysis paralysis. And I, and I, and I talk about this a lot um, when people come in, they either pitch us ideas or they're talking about us. Like the more complicated you make something, the more the odds are that you're wrong. And so if I can't understand this in a completely simple way, and if the value doesn't jump to me, and you have to try to convince me somehow of what valuations or what it's going to be, I'm not ever going to do the deal because it's just, once you get complicated, there's just more room for error and there's more that I don't understand. There's more risk and the odds of me being wrong are a lot higher. When you're getting started, keep things simple. And if there's red flags to you, address them like you did and talk about them and say, why is this? Um, but look at the units Look how many, how much money you're making, how many locks are on it. Walk around, see, figure, you know, look at it and then ask simple questions. But when you're dealing with, you know, when you're dealing with units that are under really a hundred doors, that's how you got to look at it. You got to look at these as doors, right? So how many doors do I have? How much income are they bringing? How, maybe how much income can they? What are the expenses associated? What are the odds of getting this done? And Keep it really, really simple. And that has benefited us very, very well. And then the next thing I wanted, the third thing I wanted to mention that you just talked about here was I think we just made a podcast, was it yesterday or the day before? You don't have to know everything. Uh, yeah, that's or the most recent yeah, one. That we yeah, just, the most recent one we just did. You'll never know everything. Out. Yep. And I, I, I think people get confused when they hear this podcast because they're just like, wow, you know so much about storage. You wrote a book on it, everything else. And I'm like, yeah. And when we first got into it, I knew nothing about it. And, um, I look back on it now and it's funny. Cause I think, wow, geez, I would never do that again. But the odds is I, I do it all the time. I started up another company that I knew nothing about. And it's like, that's, there is this, um, benefit to ignorance and this benefit to being okay with it. And at I've seen more people fail because of not doing than I've ever seen fail from doing um, because doing is part of the learning process. You can never know everything. It's impossible. When we go in and when we did our first conversion, when we did our first ground up, when we did, I, you know, I had no real estate background. When we did our first ground up, it was literally looking at the builders, looking at the plans 
and saying, okay, is this right? Talking to the city, we have to have how much? And we learned after our first build, wow, we didn't need to give up that much space. We could have gone back to the city and did it. Okay, the builders messed up on this. We probably didn't need to pay that much. But the fundamentals were so strong, it didn't matter, right? I knew I could make some mistakes or I could get through it. And the thesis and the business plan, I'm like, this is going to be good. This is going to be good in the future, right? I don't need to be perfect here to get this done. But then the next time I do it, I'm even more efficient and I'm even better. And I, I think this is also something to tell people, like you talk about being obsessive and compulsive and going all in. That is the benefit to doing it. If I know that I'm going to do this, when we did our new build, I'm not doing this new build to sell in three years. In fact, I'm not going to sell it ever. That's my mindset going into it. I knew how I wanted it to look. I knew certain things. And then we built it to own it forever. And if I'm going to own it forever, that changes how I analyze the deal. That changes how I look at it, what I want out of it, what the purpose is for it. Um, and also, too, frankly, it limits some risk because I got to focus on cash flow. And so you can never know everything. That's impossible. And the more analysis paralysis you get when you're, you talk about those simple things, right? And trust, I don't care who you are. You have to trust. Um, being a good judge of character and trusting the right people has made way more people multimillionaires and billionaires than any business model has ever made anyone. Um, because economics is a team sport. Like economics takes, not that it's a team sport necessarily in that fashion. It takes people, right? You need information. We have to trust people. I had to go to somebody and give me a feasibility study when we were first doing it. And when he gave me a feasibility study on the facility that we're, we were building, it was like, okay, well, we thought that too, right? He could totally be wrong. Yeah. But at some point you got to move forward. I think that's just awesome. I think it's awesome advice. And, you know, now I guess, hey, maybe explain this. The world went to a crapper, like right when you signed. How's it done? So I guess I got really lucky because, I mean, at least in this area, <clears throat> you know, we're, the facility is actually 45 minutes from Portland. Um, so, you know, we're kind of in a rural area, but we're within the Columbia River Gorge. So whoever doesn't know this area, and that's why I'm interested about investing in this area. Like I mentioned earlier, it's mountainous. It's, you know, how I've been learning about, you know, real estate and kind of what you're looking at, what to look for. I did notice that it's a very limited area for <clears throat> for potential development. So, so you know, within that, I'm like, well, you can't actually build a freaking huge facility right next door because there's no room. It's mountains, right? So, yeah. so any of these assets actually have pretty big moats. Um, so, but, but anyway, Exp yeah, no, no, no. Explain Warren Buffett's moats. You you mentioned uh, Warren Buffett moat here. Explain to everybody what that means. It's important. Warren Buffett talks about buying businesses that have really big moats. So what that means would be that a business that is protected in some intrinsic way against competition. So Coca-Cola has a huge, there's, there's different kinds of moats when you're talking about different kinds of companies. But uh, for example, Coca-Cola has a huge name moat. They also have a formula moat. So they have a name, people completely, you're at the store, it comes down to what you're buying for a drink. You know, they're going to buy Coca-Cola because the name is embedded in their brain. They're not going to buy Pepsi. They're going to buy Coca-Cola. Um, that's a perfect definition of a moat. And within real estate, I think the biggest moat on something like this, I think there is a chance to create 
what you guys have been doing with Keylock, there is a way to create, you know, marketing strategy to be tapping into name modes, but at least there's a pretty big location mode. Um, yes. But I don't know. I think that's a bigger topic um, about, you know, talking about technology. I think there's something really interesting. I was just talking yesterday about that. Listen, after listening to one of your guys' latest podcast with uh, Lance, because in my head, I've been like, well, real estate has always been location, 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 but crap, all of a sudden, you know, I mean, you, you don't want to have the facility that's like, you know, really far out in the woods, but all of a sudden, how much does location actually, like how many of my clients are calling me because they're driving past my facility? I bought a great location. Well, I, I don't, I haven't really measured it yet because I haven't, I need to change one of the numbers to be able to quantitatively know exactly how many calls are coming from the online and how many are coming from physical. But I truly believe that it's more calls coming from my Google business uh, number. Um, Mine's over 80%. Mine's over 80% come from online. Well, I I mean, there, and that's super interesting, right? Because all of a sudden, you know, we're talking about a completely different kind of moat, right? Where you're like, now your moat is actually, you know, created by your online presence and your online, you know, being, being, being there, you know? Yes. That's what I really loved about Lance's episode was that, that, that consolidation of online and the very real real estate of online and the presence that you can have there and the importance of getting that moat set up online yes. because that's so overlooked in so many industries. And especially in when you talk about and, – and I, and I brought this up and as you know, there are some markets. We have a facility where we are ranked number one on everything and everything. No one competes with us. Because we're the only ones there. It's not like I'm awesome. But in that city, we are the only ones that are advertising online. We're the only ones even listed. When I look at that, I say, we own a segment of the market that the other ones don't even have. And it's a competitive advantage that allows us to compete and surpass people that have a better physical location. And they don't even know what's happening. They're, they're playing the location game. We have a worse location by far. It's by the airport. It's up on a hill. Um, yet are where the highest prices. And uh, um, when you look at it, it's because 80% of the market that's looking for, we're the only game in town. There's nobody else. They don't even know they cool. exist. And it's you, you talk about these moats, which are really important. And, and when I look at different asset types and locations, principally – Now, one of the things that I'm looking for is the moat. I'm saying, what are the competitive advantage these other people have? And what is my moat and my margin of safety as Warren Buffett talks about having a margin of safety, but how am I going to be protected? So that's why one of the big things that we've been doing is conversions, because when I do a conversion, I can get into locations that nobody normally could. And that all of a sudden is a moat. Nobody else can come around here. Just like you said, because of the mountains and the rivers and how, you know, populations are. And so it's a totally different dynamic of looking at the business that you're constructing um, and creating a moat in. And when you're going into small cities in the United States, 
um, very simple things can create a very large moat. And technology has a way of compounding results. And what I mean by that is the longer you're online, the longer you're doing certain activities, the more verified you are and the more set in stone you become. And so if a local player catches on uh, two years later, they've got to play catch up. You've already built in that IP. You've already built in this online recognition. As long as you're doing it good, they're going to have a serious hard time catching up with you. Um, we do. If I go into a new location and I have to change the brand, I change the name, I change the IP address, I change the website, I'm not going to immediately rank, even if the comp uh, competitors are worse than we are. It takes time. It takes some effort to build that. So in areas where like you're talking these small towns, if you're ahead of the game, the more you can do on that forefront, the bigger your mode is. 100%. So true. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, right? Like I actually had a, I sat down with a tale just yesterday talking about that. Cause all of a sudden, you know, he comes from this kind of older school of, of, of real estate thought, you know, and all of a sudden I sit down with him and I'm, you know, and this is rough with six months later after digesting like, you know, unhealthy amounts of AJ Osborne <laughs> knowledge of, you know, Storage, you know, and the possibility of self storage is a business, it's not just passive real estate and online and, and all these things. And and it's cool because I'm chatting with him and I'm like, dude, look at this, you know, like we can be pushing this tech side. You know, I don't know anything about it. I've never done much on web. I know social media through my professional career, but I, I just what you're talking about. I, in, in social media, I can see the benefit of having started earlier because I have an advantage yes. through all the kids. That are, you know, you know, I have more followers than them now because I started four years ago or five years ago. Yes. I see how we can apply that into storage, you know, and how yes. we can, you know, kind of kind of utilize these new concepts, you know, and all of a sudden, again, it's you know, it's it's almost kind of trumping, right? Like it's always been location, location, location. It's you know, it's it's always gonna be important having a good location, but all of a sudden yeah. I'm questioning, you know, is it like how worth it is it, you know, having prime real estate right next to the right next to the main road, you know, versus having a huge online presence. Cause in the end, customers are coming from a click. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. It is revolutionizing how we view the utilization of the asset and it will continue to, um, this has been a conversation that's been going on and it's a conversation that I do know this at the end of the day, I'll take if for someone that doesn't have good online game, but has a better location versus someone that has good online game in a worse location, um, they're going to outperform on the online side. I, I know that because we do with our competitors. There's competitors that in our markets that have better locations than we do, and we outperform them massively. Um, and so you merge those two things together, then you're going to rock star it. Uh, but all right. So talk to me about this. Where are you going from here? You've got your first facility. You've got a couple houses. What are your plans? What are you looking for? Where's your trajectory? So, <clears throat> okay. So one of the things that I've learned, that's kind of the model that I'm following right now. I like to be really involved. So I, again, two years ago, I knew nothing about real estate. I've, I've always owned a drill and I don't even know what rain gutter is. So two years ago, I remodeled the house and I kind of did it also because I wanted to understand the bones, you know, of you know, this asset class that I'm trying to get into, you know? So the cool thing is now I just built, you know, a, a garage apartment by myself 
did all the electric, all the plumbing. The cool thing is I can, I now not just know how to do it, fix it myself, but the purpose deep down there is I can truly understand the bones of it. So with self-storage, I'm 100% managing this facility myself. I'm taking all the phone calls. I'm the guy sending, you know, messages, hey, you haven't paid, um, which sucks, but I'm, I'm, I'm in here to learn. I truly believe about, you know, the benefit of learning the business deep down. You know, again, I knew from, I knew nothing about real estate. Now I know, like, People are like, now I understand people are calling me saying, Hey, I just got divorced. Uh, I have all my crap in the back of my truck. What do you have available? Yeah. You know, and I'm seeing something really interesting about the business, you know, cause again, all of a sudden I'm coming from zero knowledge to, you know, fast paced, like truly understanding. And I know that a lot of people do it differently, but my take is always really hands-on and really kind of I'm a very logic person too. And I like to understand kind of the very mid grid of, of, of any, everything I do. So I like that. I recently started uh, taking over some of a uh, tails management too. So helping him with that, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of, you know, learning, doing more and more taking over, helping him with his facilities, try yeah. to automate those. Um, and yeah, I'm, you know, it's cool because now I've seen the light, you know, and now I'm kind of seeing what are the next steps without the same facility, kind of bringing it back to your original question, um, your previous question. Um, we've actually done really well with the pandemic um, in this area. We're in yeah. an area where I think a lot of people are moving this way. So I went from 20% vacancy when I bought it to over full. Um, so I'm actually putting in new storage um you know it's cool because now i can see again kind of warren buffett's like line of thought like i don't have to be i don't have to pay dividends to myself i'm just reinvesting all the cash and it's beautiful because i'm you know i'm using the tree that i bought to plant new trees and i love that idea um but you know on the other hand, I'm in a very limited area. So now where I'm at in like, what's, you know, what's that next uncomfort? I just called my first other facility owner three days ago. I've been putting it off for two months. I've spotted one facility that I'm like, that's a goodbye. And I've been putting it off to excuses. And then two days ago, I was like, just call them. And I just picked up the phone and called them and started a conversation. They probably don't want to sell, but I've already breached that gap. And now I'm like, now I know I can do it. Now I know yes. I can call anyone and just start conversations. And, you know, I'm not, I know that I can't force anyone to sell, okay. but I do know now that I can, you know, start knowing the other players. It's cool too, because like this lady, we talked for 20 minutes on the phone. She was super friendly. She actually recommended me a gate that she's doing on her facility, like stuff like that. You yeah. know, and I'm like, that's so important. Yeah, which, which I think was super cool, you know, so in the end, like, you know, getting past that fear has, you know, kind of led to something cool there. I mean, and, and Teo actually suggested, like, dude, you should call her every every year, you know, just stay in touch. You never know when, you know, someone in her family might pass away. You never know what kind of distress at any point she could be into. And, you know, you want to make sure that you're the first one in her list to uh Exactly. To call. So that's where I'm at. Um, I love yeah. it. I mean, it's it's. This is the, you know, we talked about the train and those, these activities you're doing right now is making sure that that train, because when you first get it started, people forget, like, you know, it'll slow down quick. You got to get that momentum. You got to keep it moving. These are the activities that keeps that engine 
going and keeping it and it speeds up. It's that compounding effect. Like you said, reinvesting dividends, making those phone calls, networking, outreach, talking to people. Um, it's, it, it is the fuel that keeps that engine going and keeps that momentum just rocking. So I love it. And I'll share something kind of funny because you shared earlier how you're like scared about social media. Like that's yeah. your, like, like your, your fear, like my, what I'm going through right now. And it's funny because I was, when I, when I saw AJ Osborne's message, like, Hey, do you want to do a podcast? My first instinct was like fear. Fuck, how do I get away from this? <laughs> and here's where I'm at. I've created this career within kayaking where I'm, you know, and, and you see it on my social media. I'm kayak loco. I'm, I'm a kayaker and I've always marketed to kids, you know, with my crazy endeavors. And now I'm in a moment in my career where, you know, I, I also need to start kind of telling more of the story of the real story of where is Rafa's heart and brain right now. You know, I'm still a kayaker. I'm still doing all these super cool projects uh, constantly, but you know, also I'm also excited about this. So um, yeah, that's, you know, that's kind of like a big fear of mine that I have right now. And part of my, you know, what pushes me to like, okay, let's do this podcast. Cause I know it's going to, it's, it's a way to force me to kind of get into that process. Cause I need to start telling more of this story on my own social media. So that's I that. It. I mean, that's a way that I've found of how to, how to bridge those fear gaps, you know, just if you can just force yourself in a way, you know, put yourself in front of the train tracks, you know, yep. like I'm, I'm, I can put up so many excuses, but if, if I can like stand right there in the way of, you know, whatever I'm trying to stay away from is going to force me to, you know, overcome it and do it. I love it, man. Well, Rafa, tell, tell everybody where can they find you? Where can they get a hold of you? I know there's going to be a lot of people that are wanting to see what you're doing and watch you on your journey. So you guys can find me on Instagram, Rafa Ortiz Kayak. And yeah, if you guys are curious, you can uh, just Google my facility. It's called Carson Storage Units. If you guys had a minute and you could go on there, give me a rating and review i would appreciate it so much uh because as we know that stuff matters yes. um and but yeah instagram is the best place hit me a message i'm always all about answering every message someone sends i love connecting and yeah if you guys like you know would you know know more about kayaking that's you find me too Okay. Uh, yeah, I love that. You're the first person that's asked that. And I tell everybody, go on there, find his facility, give him a five-star review, talk about him, uh, because that does, it makes a big difference to the business and uh, will help him a lot. But with that, man, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for coming on, telling us uh, you're getting started in the journey and we can't wait to see where it goes and, uh, and what you do, because it's going to be awesome. <laughs> thank you guys for having me. Definitely, man. Thanks a bunch.